Hello and welcome to another episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Thanking you, as always, for clicking on the podcast. It really is super appreciated. I probably sound like a broken record there, but I really do appreciate anyone clicking and listening to this podcast. In this episode, we're going to revisit the 2017 film Life, directed by Daniel Espinosa, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Rebecca Ferguson, and Ryan Reynolds, just to name a few, um, which is just, yeah, a film that I have instant regrets of not watching at the cinema. I did watch it not long after its home release, but it still wasn't the same, obviously, because some of these shots are genuinely beautiful. Like, the cinematography in this film is stunning. Story-wise, it's great. It's got a lot of great big ticks for me. I, I really enjoyed this sci-fi space horror. And if you've not seen it, there is going to be spoilers in this podcast, of course, but if you're not too fussed on that and you just want to hear my thoughts on it, then that's great. Thank you ever so much for sticking along for the ride, because... I always recommend this film now to people who are a fan of the genre. Uh, if you're a fan of like Alien, obviously, and The Abyss and such things like that, um, it really is just a great, great film. It's almost like what I would have hoped maybe the Cloverfield Paradox could have done, because Cloverfield Paradox was just another just awful waste of time. This really does home in on, say, the, the claustrophobia, the intensity, um, and the horror, because there are some pretty gnarly deaths in this film. Some of these deaths are actually quite brutal. Um, but overall, I'd say Daniel Espinosa and the team have done such a great job, I felt anyways, and just to have so many regrets not watching it at the cinema, really do have so many regrets. It was on in IMAX as well, and I just imagine what it was like to see some of the some of the space shots. I mean, is there ever a bad shot in any sci-fi film in space? You know what I mean? Like, I feel even like with Marvel films, they always get the CGI and, and the, the visuals spot on for any space elements. But like in, in these classic sci-fi films as well, I'm just trying to think of there's ever a bad shot in space. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, it's, it's just, it's a really, really great film. And like I said, it deserves so much praise, not only by creating such a great story, but also just the research and the effort the team went into to making this really believable, uh, which I'm really looking forward to diving in and talking about on this particular episode. Before we do dive into it, of course, the podcast is available on all your podcast streaming sites, such as Apple, Spotify, etc. Give us a like and a follow on there. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. As to jump onto Facebook and search your blogs about films for the Facebook page. Uh, give that a like. That too. Yes. Great. Would appreciate it. Let's get back to the film, because as I stated before on my Morbius podcast, it, it, it was Life by Daniel Espinosa that really brought more of like admiration for his work, and therefore was really looking forward to what he was going to do with Morbius, because I felt that if anyone could make that film good, it would be this guy. Um, sadly, some studio interfering decided otherwise. So it's, it's a shame that his name is attached to that, and if you've not seen much of Espinosa's work... Please start with Life, or if you've not seen, if you've not watched Life in a while, just rewatch it again. Uh, there's so much to enjoy, and, and as I say, so much to unpack with the actual film. There is a fantastic article on GeekWire about the film itself and how it draws upon real life biology and worst case space scenarios. The fact as well that the film is set in like the not too distant future to air quote, it allows itself to bring in real life scenarios and protocols for what NASA will have to adhere to with future missions and research, all these things going off at the moment. They wanted to have those elements in there, you know, in, in, in terms of actually going out looking for real life across the galaxy or whatever, just what protocols they have to adhere to. It is, it's, it's stuff like that that I was like, you know, fair play to you. Not only they did that, they actually had a geneticist on board as well named Adam Rutherford. He's done a ton of, you know, he's done a, he's been a consultant on a ton of different films, uh, especially in, like I say, the sci-fi genre, um, showing that depth again and detail the production team went into to bring this story to life, and especially, you know, the the, the alien entity that's Calvin. Um, and even though it is a space horror, he's still bringing in, as I say, these real-life backgrounds. They want to create something 
um, where everything biologically and scientifically was correct, such as like with with this Calvin, this this alien. Um, and I'm probably gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna get too scientific with this. It's just well because I probably can't. I'm gonna sound like a fool and butcher this and northern it all up. So if there's any scientists listening, I do apologize. I'm sure there's loads listening, but I do apologize because I'm probably I'm gonna go over like the term or, or what it is that essentially that Calvin is based upon, which is just. It's essentially slime molds, and this is where I'm probably going to butcher it, and this is the only scientific part I'm going to give you. It's essentially individual cells that come together to form a unit, and you might remember this from the film, especially when Calvin is first, like, essentially being born, where we get to see these kind of... The cells then, like, start to have, like, all, like... I want to just say stringy fingers, and it's all beautiful, and I say the cinematography and the CGI visuals look wonderful... But that's where that's what I'm going at anyway. So it's based off slime molds. If you want any proper scientific in-depth analysis of that, jump onto GeekWire, search life, I don't know, GeekWire Life or something. You'll find the article. Have a read there because Adam Rutherford does go into a lot of uh, a bit more detail of that as too if you watch the behind the scenes stuff for this film. There's again some great interviews, especially with Adam Rutherford as well. But that's the science element of it because this is it. It's like usually with sci-fi films, it's not like they've they usually just be like, oh, let's make an alien film and just have it going around killing people. Their job done. They wanted it to be as as real and as close to home as possible. You know, Espinosa states that Twilight Zone as well was like, and classic film noirs were essential inspiration for the film. You've then got this whole background thrown into that, the, the science element as well and the, the biology and such, and it all being actually dead on. Like, it really is. And this is why I think it just all works together. For example, like Calvin's biology is that if it was to, say, feed off a human as it does, it would then start to have those biological effects. You know, it'd start to have, like, skin, like our skin, essentially, and stuff like that. So I just liked what they were doing with Calvin, and he is a very terrifying uh, very terrifying alien. They say he's just relentless. It almost... The only way I can describe it, if you, if you don't know what it looks... what Calvin looks like... Uh, and Calvin is named Calvin on the back of... They, they obviously find alien life... They they go on the news with it from space to earth and a, a child from a school names it Calvin. Um, so that's where this very lovely name comes from. But if, the design for it, essentially, it's almost like got a really bit of a snake looking head or face, whatever. A bit of a body like a stingray with more tentacle, a bit more tentacle than a stingray. A lot more tentacle, but it's a bit floaty. You know what I mean? Like I say, it looks a bit like a just a crazy ass stingray. Let's go with that anyways. It's what they do with it, really, that, that I find so haunting. You know, it keeps adapting, it keeps evolving. It is essentially like all brain, really, the, 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 this creature. It just, it's all muscle and brain, sorry. And it's the, the fluidity of its movement, it just at times, it's not snake-like, but it is really, I, well, I wouldn't want to be around it anyways, but it's just, it's ingenious and relentlessness and adaptability, I should say, at any given circumstance. It is just constantly feeding adapting getting bigger and bigger and when it you know reaches i want to say it's full form it is just haunting like it, it really is uh, i've already touched upon the ending really staying with me and, and it is such a powerful ending um I'm, I'm looking forward to talking a little bit more about it but the the the, the whole characters around this creation and this alien have all got different views on it you know Gillenall is a former soldier understandable really why he would prefer to be in space from everyone explaining that he sort of quote likes the hum and the air in this space station, uh, even though he's been advised, he probably should go back to Earth. He spends that far too long up there that is now impacting his health. But you can understand if he's seen some of the things he's seen on on Earth, he wouldn't necessarily want to go want to go back there. Rebecca Ferguson's character as well; she's in charge of this cool and like calm, collected leader. 
very quick exposition here and there and such about her, you know, in a diary saying, you know, letting everyone in uh, in terms of the audience that, you know, her situation and her views towards Calvin is, she's a little bit fearful. It's almost like she's not willing this to fail, this this experiment, this expedition or whatever to fail, but it's just almost like she's always weighing up those options. So it's it's, it's a very interesting point. Like she's always, always been afraid of this. And so like for it to all go hideously wrong, can't imagine what kind of turmoil and, and predicaments it puts that character in. Ryan Reynolds is really not in this film. It's so funny. It's almost like he was just there again just to either just get bums on seats, maybe. Um, his character, Rory Adams, I, I don't really know. T- I, di- I didn't pay... I mean, not that I paid too much attention to it, but he's not in it that long. He's just... He's got a brief cameo. Um, it's very grim demise that he has, but his view on it is, like, if it goes wrong, we kill it. You know what I mean? Like, that just... It's that or that. Like, it's either going to work or it's not. If it doesn't work, just end it all kind of thing. So that's understandable why he would then go straight in to try and burn it or whatever or, or, or well just kill it um even as conversations with um arion bakari's character hugh derry hugh derry is essentially the creator of calvin i'll come to that in a second saying that you can't go around playing with it like it's a kid's like you just it's not or a pet so i think is what he calls it and that's that that you're already seeing tension within the group as to just how their views on it are. Like, I think the only one that's a bit more like blasé towards it all is probably Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't really know what his stance is other than he just likes being in space. So this is a bit of a bonus for him, I guess, but he's the only one really that you don't really, you just see like, yeah, maybe he's against it or maybe he's just happy for it. As long as it goes well, then I guess he's very indifferent. Whereas Ari- Arion Bakari's character, apologies again if I'm if I'm completely butchering his name, sorry. Um, he created Calvin essentially he's the one that's messing with all the oxygen to, to bring it say see the cells see if they conform and in this and that again try not to you know get my scientific tab straight in there um you know so he sees this as I'm not saying it's his baby like he's like my precious and not letting anyone take it out kind of thing he wouldn't want that he, he understands Calvin he understands that I think he quotes doesn't he, he says it doesn't it's not that he hates us he's just that he has to kill us in order to survive it's you know Calvin's still learning there's a new this new species that's still trying to work himself out and where he fits in this and needs to keep evolving. You know, we see him from going from killing the rat to then obviously going after De- Bakari's Derry, killing Reynolds and just evolving with each kill. And, and I, I'm going to talk about the kills because there's cinematography and everything like that because it's very well done. But no, Hugh Derry's character, it's almost like he, he sacrificed himself in a way so that Calvin can live, which is really strange. It's, you can understand it because it's that complex, you know, that complexity between within the character's mindset of, He's made it that, but should it just because it's we don't understand it, we should then kill it. Um, just a, a very interesting approach, especially with him seeing it as like a pet. Um, the only kind of sprinkle of like, oh, here we go again with these kind of films is, is sadly, it's for Hiroyuki Sanada's character. Um, his wife on earth has given birth to a baby, and it's like, here we go. So we now have to care about this guy to make sure that he gets home. Uh, just because he's baby, and he's probably not going to get home. Let's be honest; he probably will meet his demise, which obviously inevitably does. Um, it was just that kind of stuff that I felt that was the needless part. Like he didn't really need to do that. Like I just thought, well, eh, that's fine. Um, I guess it's just again something just for his audience members to kind of latch onto to think, oh no, he's not going to get home to see his kid. This, that, and the other, or something that they can keep referring to then and then, or at least nodding to whilst hell is breaking loose. I just, I don't know. It's the only bit that the background in terms of like character, it just didn't do it for me and this is what i mean when i said earlier about it's not a 10 out of 10 film don't get me wrong it's just it, it is what it, it's a great film but there are those like kind of mm, okay here we go um 
I want to, uh, sorry, the last character that I've not mentioned, my apologies, is Olga Dajkovicina's cat. And again, I probably butchered a surname, so apologies. Um, who, again, just another 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 addition to the cast. But her, the thing for me that I remember most about her character is just how brutal her death is. So I'll save that for the death, uh, for the death segment, because I do want to jump to the cinematography of this film before we do dive into the nitty gritty, because it is... Just beautiful at times. Not only with the cinematography, but you throw in the score as well, which is incredible. Um, it really is visually stunning. Very, very pleasing. Um, I, like I said, I don't think there's ever been a bad shot in space. Like there's so many sci-fi films out there. Like even the classics, there's so many good space shots, and this has got a ton of them. Whether that's like sun just like starting to peer over, uh, shine over the uh, over the Earth, and then release this fantastic silhouette of the space station that they're on it's um it's just stuff like that or like just these amazing lovely wide shots you know this small i think the opening in fact is just space space it's vast huge black screen with just the stars and you just see a satellite just going across in the distance uh, it reminded me a bit of alien did that um as i'm sure blending this film did in fairness but you know just just showing how massive and this is quite daunting when you think about it i try not to think too much about space in general she's like jesus it's just infinite you know what i mean so it just giving you that scope already and, and also setting us up for just how small this this space station actually is because it is a very like i say claustrophobic you know affair and and we get the they, they utilize the camera work cinematography they say really well just you know by having again obviously this like kind of floaty effect where obviously no gravity so we're just floating with them through throughout the space uh, throughout the space station and we get some great sequences where it'll like for example the, i think the first the first run or the first shot of the actual uh, interior of the space station it's just all one shot where a character will just come past the screen the camera will follow them then another then another character will like fly across to another section of the station and they'll follow that as well um it's just stuff like that that i was really enjoying as too as well you know this great looping shot where it might start focused up the right side up should i say on one section of the uh, of the station with a character in frame and it'll flip upside down and go and we'll, and we'll see another character but from the upside down point of view in another section of the station just constantly doing that i think it does it outside as well with the uh outside to look at the exterior of the space station as well but you know, adding and say this wonderful and 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 beautiful score as well behind it. It's almost like wondrous at times as well. Like it really, it it starts off so like promising. You know what I mean? Like it sounds really really joyous. Uh, and and the same can be said with the score when Calvin is first created this little cell. Then before it gets bigger and bigger, you know, it's all lovely. Where then by the end, it's very drones and very big and heavy and really just. The kind of uh, kind of just score that sends shivers down your spine, just just to be exact, like that last shot and the, with the score and such, haunting, honestly bloody haunting. But back to the sorry, just very quickly touch upon the shots and the sequences again. Like the other thing that they would do within the film that I really loved is utilizing the fact of you know gravity and having like shots of like a pen just falling. It'll the, the camera will follow the pen and it'll bring into frame obviously another character doing something. Not even just stuff for that. I think even with like blood specks and stuff like that, after someone's been killed, like it'll follow that. Uh, and we'll either see like Calvin homing in or you know another character trying to escape. It was all just really well executed. So you've got not only some great background in the sense they've done some real research into trying to make the scientific facts spot on, basically, the scientific element, I should say, spot on, but then to to add on these brilliant, brilliant shots, it's it's amazing. They say, I don't even think it was a big that big of a budget, apologies. Uh, the budget was 58 to 62 million, and I think it grossed uh, over 100 million, 100 0.5 million so made the money back and and uh, having that budget of say 58 to 62 million 
you do sense it, but not in a bad way at all. Like, I do like less is more anyways with films, you know, these smaller films that don't have these grand, grand budgets. It's a good enough a good enough amount for uh, for the film. But, yeah, like, I, I really do enjoy, like, the fact that it is very small, confined, and we do get those claustrophobic elements. And they push that so far as well, especially with Hiroyuki Sanada's character when he's, like, in his pod and Calvin's there squeezing the outside. It's so terrifying. Um, it is just really is... A claustrophobia nightmare. So if you're not a fan of small spaces, then this isn't the film for you, basically. Uh, but, you know, you've got all these characters with all these different ideas, as I've already mentioned. You've already got all these people that are just not on the same page. So when things start to go wrong, it's, it's either team up or it's going to fracture the whole group dynamic. And this is where I would say that things start to get... Calvin starts to pick them off one by one, essentially. Uh, Reynolds is the first to go, and, and we'll, we'll talk about the deaths here because... So again, shot-wise, there are some fantastic, fantastic visuals that are surrounding the deaths. You know, we don't necessarily see face front; it's from the back, and he's floating in space with like just doing these twitches. You get to see a bit of blood, spat, you know, specks floating away from his mouth. Obviously, after Calvin has, you know, gone th down his throat essentially and killing him from the inside, but also regenerating, feeding, and and will be able to get bigger and more badass <laughs> like he's so terrifying um so stuff like that you know you reynolds eventually you know, there's a huge burst of blood and calvin makes his way out a bit bigger and in pursuit of more more life to, to feed on it's it, it says the deaths in this there's only there's there's that one which is pretty intense and then cat the character cat's death is really horrifying added it as well with gillenor's amazing performance and delivery of a certain line which i'll get to in a second but essentially have to do a spacewalk because calvin they're trying to stop um i can't remember what they're doing i know, I know that calvin's on the outside but it's but calvin ends up breaking uh this spacesuit that she's wearing and the liquid and fluid is going all into her helmet and she's essentially choking and, and, and drowning in a spacesuit. Just imagine you're in a massive spacesuit as it is, which is already pretty like so claustrophobic in its own right that you throw in water as well. It is just the worst of the worst, like this scenario. Is, you don't. I'd, you always watch films and you think, oh, what would I do in this situation? But I don't really think about it with space films because I, I can't see myself going to space, but this is genuinely like awful. Like It's just the worst way to go in. And I feel like this sequence is made so much more powerful and painful for Kat's character due to Gillenor's performance on the other side of that door as he's trying to let her back in, but she's like saying no, well, not saying no, she can't say no, she can't bloody speak. Um, you know, she's not letting him open the door to let her back in in fear of Calvin returning, which she does anyways. Um, it's just the performance on the side, you know, he's screaming a name and then when she does, you know, she sadly does pass and f drifts off into space. It's just this line of, what's going on but it's the broke brokenness is that a word but how broke he sounds right as he's saying it showcasing his his talent and acting chops you know broken confused horrified as to what is currently happening and and it is literally living a nightmare you know this is such a horrendous situation and it just keeps going from there and Calvin then, you know, feeding off uh, his creator. It, it's what it, there's just so many different layers to it. This acceptance from Derry's character, so Calvin doesn't hate us. He, he needs to kill us in order to survive. Um, it's almost like he's turning this like mad scientist who doesn't want this work to fail. Still seeing it as a pet or a friend, you know, letting it feed on his leg, and then he then sadly he passes, and Calvin just getting bigger and, and stronger each time. Like I said, that sequence, as I mentioned earlier, when he's squeezing on that pod to see if he can break the glass to get in and obviously to get his next victim. It's just 
so so scary so intense and it never lets up it really just goes from bad to worse it doesn't stop with you know any any glimmer of hope like they get a response from earth obviously from nasa as they're sending up what looks to be a rescue a rescue shuttle um it's obviously soul crushing when that plan fails the stress call they come up it's again a protocol they've got to the scientists on earth have got to adhere to contain or expel so with the risk of calvin coming to earth understandably that's too that's too risky they've got to expel it push the station further out to space again bringing in that scientific background regarding the firewalls and stuff like that that ferguson uh, rebecca ferguson's character goes on to explain he's just again so flawless like not only is it like i say a really intense film but that scientific element and the real life scenarios and background it's uh it's just really really brilliant uh, i have to, like i say, keep commending daniel espinosa and the team but they did they've done such a such a bang up job with it um it's hard not to uh, it's hard not to not to like um i want to jump to the ending because it's it'd be easy for me to kind of sit through and and regurgitate the whole plot but i, I tried to keep these kind of condensed to go over you know sequences and what i've enjoyed so much about them and there's a lot to really enjoy with this say from from the acting and, and from the performances and just the visuals for this film the cinematography i've already praised enough like it's just chef's kiss but the ending of this film um you know, it's already escalated to this this absolute shocking encounter with this new alien species, and everything's gone to pot. People are dead. Sadly, you know, as as we probably guessed, Hir- Hiroki Sanada's character does not make it to the end. He sadly sacrificed himself in order for 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 the main two, Rebecca Ferguson and Jake Gyllenhaal, to to proceed. And and then you've got these two characters that are trying to work out how they can kill it, or at least how they can escape this situation. So the plan of action would be for one person to go in one pod, draw Calvin in and then drift off into space, whereas the other person would go in the other pods, and they would head back to uh, head back to Earth. There's just a constant cat and mouse, the chases with Calvin that make this so intense, and, and it's even more intense as well, as I already mentioned, with the score of it just constantly dipping in and out as he's like kind of homing in or we get to see from his point of view. Um, everything seems to be going to plan, and this is where I, I like this false sense of security with the film that we've had throughout, you know, this wondrous feel at the start of finding new extraterrestrial life and seeing where that goes, everyone's happy go Larry, and, you know, kids are naming the nearly and Calvin. Everything seems to be going according to plan. Obviously, everyone's dead now, and it seems like it could. this could be a final, like the, the, the happy ending that these characters, or at least one character, does deserve. You know, Calvin does get in the pod with Gil and all. He's gone big he's a big boy now he's calvin and he's still still evolving still this time the other still progressing it is such an intense uh sequence where gillenall and 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 ferguson's pods they both fly off and he's gillenall trying to pull the lever while calvin's gripping on trying to pull him the other way to see just obviously it's so intense thinking what is going to happen in these final moments of this film and as they're setting off there's a lot of debris flying about as this whole space station's already been destroyed which again props to the cinematography and the effects like there's a moment when the station does start to get destroyed uh, that i wish that the sound would have cut out so it felt more real more lifelike um they'd have had to put a notice out like they did with last jedi saying just so you know there's some sound moments that are going to go out and that's fine but it would have been such like a more impactful more powerful but still that's my only like minor nitpick um so we have all this debris flying about and one of the pods gets knocked there's a black box recording audio and it's again this is what i mean about this whole setting up for like a bit of a happier ending you've got rebecca ferguson explaining what's happened on the ship that, that no one if they do come in contact with this species should look into bringing it back to earth because why would you so these two pods are flying away you got gill and all that's an absolute fit really it's a great use of the color red as well for danger and such as calvin like looks at him and get a great view of him at the camera right in focus and then he i don't know 
comes at the camera after what's some kind of metamorphosis, I would say. And um, yeah, these two pods are flying. One lands in, in the ocean. And this is where things are just so memorable for me with this film. Because I, I remember sat there thinking, God, wouldn't it be just awful if Jay Gyllenhaal's pod has arrived on Earth? And boy, oh boy, that is exactly what happens. So these these fishermen go over to these pods and it is... It's just this gut punch. So many have also said the same. The score in this is a huge factor into its gut punch. You know what I mean? Like it is this feeling of dread and despair is completely overwhelming. And Gillenall's cries as they look in to through the window to see Gillenall entangled in this whole Calvin mesh web looking awful as he's crying and screaming, don't open the door, it's blood chilling. Um, added to the fact we then get a shot of space and we see this pod spinning and Ferguson's uh, character in the pod screaming her heart out in space as she flies off into the darkness. There is this just booming drone with the score. It's just boom, and it's just over and over, just that and that. Keeps cutting back to like, this wide shot as well over the sea as the fishermen open this pod. We don't see, obviously, what happens afterwards, but as that's happening, the score's going off, the, these other boats are coming in, just as we see this over, this great, I say, wide shot from the top looking down, knowing that this has all gone to hell at Earth now, is compromised, and Calvin, it, it, it's one of those where you think, like, how big can this creature get? Are we talking Cloverfield Monster Massive? It just... I just remember seeing that and just thinking that is an absolutely fantastic way to end the film. It's been, like I say, it's, it's, like Espinosa said, film noir was a real influence. Uh, classic film noir story was a real influence of this and that feeling of dread and such was just absolutely, by the end of this, he just left. I was left just pretty speechless. Like I thought it was just, it's, I put on my notes at the end, after, even after rewatching it, just put shivers. <laughs> um, and this is another thing as well, because before the film came out, um, there was a lot of talk about it potentially being a Venom prequel. Uh, it's not, obviously, it's his own thing, but you can kind of see it in a way, like how this film ends and the and how even Calvin looks. It's not, not symbiote-like, but there you could kind of see why people would at least suggest that it could be. But no, it definitely isn't. It's just that I love this ending so much. It is such a memorable ending for me. One of my favourite endings to it. It's so bleak. You know, I mean, it's weird saying that. It's such a bleak ending, but it is definitely one that I, I it stayed with me for such a long time. Even more, like, as soon as it was already, like I say, a pretty great film. And then that happened at the end. I was like, I have to own this in my collection. So I obviously got it. But yeah, it is such a memorable, memorable ending. Like, I can't get it out. It's just the score, the shots, the sequence, the performing. It's really excellent. And just tips the film like even further up the uh, the score chart for me anyways and another hat off to Espinosa is that the ending wasn't to be compromised at all like he straight up turned down studios for this film that he was obviously pitching it to they didn't want this kind of bleak and I think they wanted more of a, a gravity type ending which I love the fact this is so different to gravity after all of that that happens in gravity and Sandra Bullock makes that at the end I was like well okay um this is not that film this is this would be a I feel like the only way the film could have ended was it to to, to end in this manner like a really bleak and it's an open-ended, obviously, but there's no reason. I don't. I would never suspect a sequel or anything like that. But I just love that. Um, just love that ending. I, I love the fact as well that he was like, "Nope, the ending has to stay as it is." Um, so yeah, fair play to him. It's just a really great film. Like I absolutely loved rewatching this film again the other day for the Easter weekends. I, I think, like I say, I could praise massively the cinematography and the shots uh one take shots constantly throughout the, throughout this film as well through the space shuttle as i've stated um sequences just i i, I could sit and gush about just how lovely 
the film looked over and all, but you've got these very beautiful visuals with such a horrifying tale. It's uh, it's extraordinary. It's a great work and easily my favourite Daniel Espinosa film. And I very much highly rate and recommend if you've not seen it because it's worth it purely for that. I mean, I know I spoil at the ending if you've not seen it, but it is just absolutely... If you've seen it, you'll know what I mean. It's pretty bleak ending, pretty bleak. Out of 10, this is easily like a 7.5 pushing 8 for me. Um, it's just like so the performances are really great. Um, story is great. Uh, the, the research and the in-depth background this film went through as well, like I say, with the scientific and biological el- elements, making sure that everything fitted and, and was at least plausible, you know. Um, again, tick, tick, tick. Have you seen life? Let me know. I, I very much say look forward to rewatching this again at some point. It's uh, definitely a say with my one of my favourite sci-fi films. But if you have and you've enjoyed it, let me know. That'd be awesome to have a bit of a chinwag about life. Uh, looking forward again though to getting on the podcast, talk about some new releases that have come out in the last week. But as always, thanking you so much for listening to this revisit of life on Joe Blogs About Films. Until the next episode, though, take care.